0: 91.3, KDKR, Decatur, Dallas-Fort Worth, and on 91.3, KYJC, Commerce.
1: Portions of KDKR programming do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or staff.
0: Prudent Money with Bob Brooks is sponsored by the Prudent Money Foundation on 91.3.
1: Well, so what is the IRS really going to do with the billions of dollars that Congress just gave them? Today we're going to take a look. Stay tuned for Prudent Money. Afternoon, this is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. Well, the IRS Inflation Reduction Act Strategic Operating Plan, that's a lot to say in one mouthful, details how the IRS will spend the $60 billion appropriated in August of 2022. Today we're going to have Dan Pilla come in and to the on the radio program and talk a little bit okay about what is going on. Hey, Dan, how's it going? Perfect timing.
0: Yeah, it's going well, Bob. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. Let's talk a little IRS. The uh, Strategic Operating Plan lays out five broad objectives for improving the IRS systems and operations. Talk a little bit about these five objectives.
0: Yeah, these are very, very broad objectives, Bob, just kind of an overall strategy that they've laid out. Um, you know first thing on the list is is they want to improve services to taxpayers taxpayer assistance and education uh, unfortunately well this this would be the this would be the number one area of concern for me and it's number one on the list Bob but it's got the least amount of appropriation uh, pointed to it you know of the of this sure, 60 sure. well the, the numbers are based on uh, of, of the of the 60 billion dollars about ninety percent of that is going to enforcement um, you know and so the the second thing on the list is 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 taxpayer assistance issues, specifically uh, developing ways that they can help taxpayers resolve problems when they arise. Number three on the list is enforcement. We talked about that. You know, they want to increase enforcement significantly across the board with audits and collection action and then number four on the list is is building their technology portfolio, updating computers and, and software. In particular, they want to become what's called a data driven agency, where they're using data to to, to uh, make determinations on where to where to chase delinquent taxpayers and how to enforce the law and that sort of thing. So that, so that would be that would be the next thing on the list. Then then we got then we got number five here. Uh, number five would be. Uh, Number number five would be uh, the building the workforce. You know they got they got about eighty thousand employees right now in the IRS. They're 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 understaffed compared to historical numbers. The high water mark for IRS employees in the early '90s was about one hundred and five thousand. So that, so they're down quite a bit. But most of that's attributable. Well, there's number number of reasons for it. Uh, but over the next two years, uh, by the end of well, really now one year by the end of 2024. Um they expected to lose between twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four another you know fifteen or twenty thousand employees i mean pretty significant number of employees lost to attrition to retirement and so on uh so it's it's it, they they need to they want they want to focus on building their workforce so those are the five very very broad uh, very broad initiatives that they've laid out here for us,
1: Bob. You know, so many rumors have uh, hit the rumor mill and gone viral over this money that they're going to get. Does the IRS do anything to uh, to to uh, disprove those uh, those uh, rumors?
0: Well. It- you know i guess it depends on the rumor but but yeah they they try to they try to push back against rumors in a number of ways they they issue news releases on a regular basis they have uh they have uh, you know the, the 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 department of treasury issue issues uh policy statements that uh that that try to push back on this stuff of course we got the strategic operating plan document itself which is about 100 and, i don't know 140 or 50 pages long its strategic operating uh plan that they've laid out you know, so they would they would point to that to try to defuse rumors. So so there's a lot of ways they do it. Um, you know, the problem is that people get something on their head, Bob, and it's really <laughs> sure. difficult to disabuse them of what whatever that might be. And and unfortunately, when it comes to the IRS, it's it's, it's not like they go on on the air and debate people. You know, they they, they just they just don't do that. And so, and so they, they they have to rely on somebody's willingness to go into the data, to go into the literature, call out the data, and, and make an intelligent decision about really what's going on. And there just aren't that many people out there that do that.
1: Yeah, and I can't remember the one the one that uh, the one rumor that's really stuck around for a long time, still probably is hitting the uh, hitting the social media platforms. But the 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 uh, rumor that uh, they're going to be arming. Uh, Real estate, excuse real estate, they're going to be arming uh, uh, IRS agents and uh, all this guns and ammo and everything that's going to be purchased. And uh, that seems to still have a little bit of uh, gets new, some newsworthiness to it.
0: Well, well, yeah, something like that gets legs, and, and, and it's really hard to stop it. Now, now, you know, just like anything else in, in this world, uh, most of the rumors are are grounded in some modicum of fact. And the modicum of fact that was driving that particular rumor is that in the IRS's operating budget, they had a line item for for weapons and ammunition. Uh, what 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 the truth is, though, Bob, is the IRS has always had a line item for weapons and ammunition in their budget. It's not new that the agency has guns and arms. Certain elements of tax enforcement officers. There, there's 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 three types. of of tax enforcement officers that the typical citizen is potentially going to come into contact with, right? The first one is, is what's called a revenue agent. This is a tax auditor. Revenue agents don't carry guns. They don't now. They never have. I suspect they never will. All right. They're the ones that audit your tax returns. Most revenue agents don't even see their clients, their, their clients, their taxpayers' targets. Let's use the word target. They're audit victims, put it that way. <laughs> they, they never even see them face-to-face, sure. you know, and particularly in the last three sure. years sure. where everything has been done through mail and, 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 uh, and phone conferences and so on because of COVID. So, They don't even come into contact with most taxpayers. The second category of of IRS uh, employee is a revenue officer. This is a tax collector. Right, This is the person that goes out and physically knocks on your door and says, you owe us money, when can we expect the payment? Now, Now, most of those guys do not carry guns. I don't know what the IRS's policy is with respect to their carrying guns. I believe they probably have the authority to do so because they do, from time to time, contact taxpayers. But again, the vast majority of that contact is also over the phone and through the mail. The third category of of, of uh, IRS officer, the one that the citizen of America is least likely to come into contact with, is the special agent. Special agents are criminal investigators. All right, these are the ones that serve search warrants and they they serve uh, they serve uh, seizure actions. They're the ones that 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 uh, show up at your door at seven in the morning and want to talk to you. You know, they read you your rights. These are the cops, right? They're the they're the tax enforcement cops, so to speak. <laughs> And they do carry guns, and they've always carried guns. And so when you see a line item in the IRS's budget for for weapons, it would be for special agents. Now, as I said, special agents are criminal investigators. They're the ones that that do criminal investigations into potential tax fraud and evasion. And just to put this into context as to what the likelihood is of the average person running into one of these guys, this year, Bob, there's 162 million individual income tax returns filed, 162 million. The IRS will, will commence, even with its upgraded, uh, with its upgraded, uh, money and, 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 and its new employees and so on, they, they will, they will commence approximately 5,000, not 5 million, 5,000 criminal investigations, alright, well, well, criminal inquiries, put it that way. About half of those will turn into criminal investigations, and only about half of those will turn into criminal, actual criminal prosecutions. So it is extremely rare that a citizen would ever encounter a special agent involved in a criminal investigation.
1: You were, we were talking about the strategic operating plan and there being five objectives. But it really comes down to, if you, if you look at where the dollars are going to, it's something that you point out in your monthly newsletters, that this is about expanded enforcement and collections
0: yeah no question about that. About ninety percent of the money. use it let's use the, the 80 billion dollar figure. okay now I, I know that was cut down to sixty, but the, but it was cut down to sixty after the IRS produced the operating plan. So if we use the numbers that are in the operating plan that's based on the 80 billion dollars. So of the 80 billion dollars forty six plus billion was pointed directly at enforcement. And another 27 or so billion was pointed uh, was pointed at at enforcement support. So you take those two numbers, you add them together. That's 90 percent of the 80 billion dollars focused specifically mm-hmm. on enforcement. And this is this is the point I made earlier: uh, the the uh, the money that's pointed at taxpayer assistance. Problems resolution, taxpayer assistance, taxpayer education is only only about four and a half under four and a half billion dollars. So less than five percent of the money, Bob, is going to taxpayer education and assistance, 90 percent of the money going to enforcement.
1: Now, what's interesting is that the White House still claims that nobody under four hundred thousand dollars will be targeted under the enforcement initiative. Is that is that true or, or not?
0: Oh yeah, that, that, that's well. The statement is true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess I could ask that a different way, right? They
0: continue to say that nobody earning under four hundred thousand dollars will be targeted by the enforcement initiatives, and, and as a matter of fact, the strategic operating plan plainly states that that businesses and households earning four hundred grand or less will not see audit rates increase relative to historical levels. And that's the phrase that people keep overlooking is that clause that says relative to historical levels. That's the, prob- the, the part that's problematic.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about the seven initiatives the IRS will pursue to achieve its goal of expanded uh, enforcement. The first initiative is centralize the process of selecting compliance cases. What do they mean by centralize the process?
0: Well, we we got three different functioning divisions of the IRS that 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 reach out and touch taxpayers, right? got the audit function, which I talked about, the revenue, revenue agents. You got the collection function, where I talked about the revenue officers. And I got the, you got the criminal investigation function, where, where, which is where the special agents operate. Those are the three uh, enforcement arms of the IRS. Everything else is supporting that, basically. But those are the three, uh, uh, if, if you'll excuse the expression, the infantry divisions of the IRS, right? They're the ones that contact taxpayers. Though each one of those three divisions has its own selection criteria for picking out cases. Collection is going to pick out this kind of a case. is going to pick out that kind of a case. Criminal investigation is going to pick out this kind of a case. What the IRS is talking about is centralizing the selection process under one roof, which is controlled by a vast, data-driven system that will analyze data across the entire spectrum of tax filers to make enforcement selections based on that data. So it's not going to be individual case selection anymore uh, by the individual functions. It's going to be this this uh, this centralized process using their using their their pool of data that's available to do that with that. So, so when we I said earlier they want this data-driven system they want they want to have the, the most massive Massive data of any government agency probably on the planet and use that data to identify compliance trends and 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 make their selections for enforcement action based on those compliance trends.
1: This is Bob Brooks and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. IRS expert Dan Pillow is here with us today to talk a little bit about the IRS Inflation Reduction Act, strategic operating plan, you know, one of the things that you wrote about in your newsletter, let me also mention your your website, taxhelponline.com, one of the things that you, uh, that, that you mentioned in your newsletter, you talk about the whistleblower. Uh, where did I go here? Whistleblower program. And, uh, you 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 don't hear much about that, but it, this is a real thing. Talk about how that works.
0: Yeah, the whistleblower program is is. is... More or less, what it sounds like, Bob. This is a program that allows citizens to snitch on other citizens that they believe are cheating on their taxes, and to get a reward for their claim, uh, to get a reward for the for the, for their disclosure based on the amount of money collected by the IRS. So this has been around for a long time. You're right; they don't talk too much about it. They uh, they uh, uh, have operated this program for a while, and and uh, and and people, you know, people can. You know, I don't encourage this, but people can turn in their neighbor, and mm-hmm. and if if the IRS collects as a result of the disclosure of the activity by the whistleblower, the whistleblower can get money from the agency.
1: <laughs> just it, can't, you can't. can't make it seems this stuff bizarre, up, doesn't it? It does. It does. Does that seem bizarre? It does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the second initiative is expand the enforcement for large corporations. And this is really, you know, a lot that you and I talk a lot, and this is the first time I've heard this about corporations coming up. I'm assuming that they are, of course, taking advantage of the tax system as well.
0: Well, that's what the IRS would have you believe. The Treasury Department would have you believe that. Uh, But, you know, the fact of the matter is corporations, Bob, especially large corporations. Well, first of all, when we're talking about large corporations, we're talking about corporations that have more than 500 employees. Well, okay. If you got a corporation that's got more than 500 employees and you're doing hundreds of millions of dollars a year in revenue, don't you think you have an accounting department, Bob? Don't you think you have people <laughs> in your business that are professional bookkeepers, professional sure. accountants? You probably have a, a uh, an office of of, of in-house. Council, right? You've got a staff of in-house attorneys, maybe three or four attorneys that work for the company, and and don't you think one of those attorneys is a tax attorney to oversee the accounting function and the bookkeeping oh, sure. function to make sure that these uh, these corporations stay compliant with the tax code? So so the idea that large corporations are cheating on their taxes is really just bizarre to me, just because they because they have such a vested interest in staying compliant with the code. But the IRS well, Treasury points. To to the drop in the audit rate all right the drop in the audit rate um or the, the, the corporation audit rate dropped pretty significantly over the last 10 years. It's about 2% right now. They want to push that to 10%, all right? And, and so they think that the Treasury thinks that, that because of the great complexities that are involved in the financial activities of large corporations, that there has to be mistakes in there somewhere. they got to be taking unfair advantage of the system somewhere, and by God, we're going to catch them. So that's what's driving that thinking.
1: You know, you mentioned uh, large corporations, but you also uh, they're – they're third initiative talks about large partnerships. Uh, talk a little bit about what's going on with that.
0: Yeah, and we can say the same thing about large partnerships that we say about large corporations. You know, large partnerships often have... Thousands of partners, right? These are think of a real estate investment trust, Bob, or a uh, or a uh, um, uh, you know some of these managed investment things. You you know much more about that stuff than I do. A lot of this stuff is done through partnerships where there's literally thousands of partners, and 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 again, you, you've got you've got these large partnerships that are generating hundreds and tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, and, and these people have an accounting department, they've got a legal department that is that is uh, you know specifically focused on. Keeping them current, but again, the uh, the number of partnerships has increased by about thirty two percent since twenty ten, according to the IRS. Right, we got about a, about a total of four point three million partnerships as of twenty twenty, and these partnerships involve complex uh, tax rules, tax structures, uh, and, and and so on. And so the IRS the IRS is focused on going after them because they think they think there's uh, there's money to be gained there. I, again, I, I question the wisdom of this because, uh, you know, not because there's not the potential for errors and there's things in, in these areas there is, but these people don't systematically cheat on their taxes.
1: Well, yeah, and, and uh, you, you get to the fourth initiative and that is the real motivation of their goals, expand enforcement for high income and high wealth individuals. I mean, how do you go, at, how do you go after a problem that really isn't that much of a problem?
0: Well that's that's exactly what I've been saying all along since this initiative was first laid on the table back in January of 2021. This was the, you know, one of the first things the new Biden administration came out with was this plan to go after taxpayers earning more than $400,000. There was a report that was released by the Treasury which was dubious at best. I wrote uh, at length about this report that that they think that uh they think that uh, that that uh about 30 five or roughly a third of the tax gap which they estimate to be about 440 million dollars now billion billion 440 mm. billion dollars they think a third of that is coming from high income individuals and and uh, and I just think they're plain wrong about that uh but the but the fact of the matter is you know that they're they're going to try to audit their way out of the tax gap bob one taxpayer at a time you know, and so, and so they just think these high-income individuals are cheating across the board on their tax returns, and they're responsible for a third of the tax gap, and they're going to go after them. And so, you know, this is obviously the the the, the highest one uh, percent of income earners, and it's just not that many people. And I just don't know how you audit your way out of a tax gap one taxpayer at a time.
1: Well, tell me this: as the you know listener is uh, tuning in today, listening to listening to us uh, talk about this. What does the average American have to be concerned about with all this going on?
0: Well, the average American always has to be concerned about uh, paying the taxes they owe. The the, 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 the the most common problem that the average American has, Bob, in dealing with the IRS is, is, is not necessarily filing the return. Filing compliance is, is difficult, and if you've got a small business, it, it gets complicated and so on. But about 60% of the people that file returns uh, use use a tax professional to do it. Another 20% that file their own returns are using tax commercial tax software like Turbo tax or something like that to file the return. So they get through the filing process and mostly it's okay. The problem is paying the tax. All right. So, so, you know, we've got it, we've got a, uh, a tax, a federal tax burden now. That's probably, I don't know. It's probably in the, in the high twenties in terms of uh, the percentage of, of 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 total tax burden. You add the state to that. You add the local to that. People are paying forty, forty-five percent of their income in taxes at all levels. So it becomes very difficult to pay the tax, and that's where the enforcement comes along. Uh, you know, with wage levies, bank levies, property seizures, and so on. So that's what the typical citizen has to has to deal with. Now, now, high-income people generally have more complicated situations, although that's not true across the board. you got plenty of high-income people that just simply have a great big W-2 paycheck, right? right. you got CEOs that work for companies mm. that make two million dollars a year, three, four, eight, ten million dollars a year, whatever the number is. Uh these 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 professional athletes are making huge amounts of money, but they're W two wage earners. They go to work every day, just like Jane and Joe American, except except the difference is they make ten million dollars a year compared to the guy that makes a hundred thousand a year. So so the, the the tax return compliance part of it is 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 not really the problem, it's the tax payment issues that become so difficult for the average citizen.
1: Yeah, you know, the last initiative real quick is to promote fairness in enforcement activities. How do they go about doing that?
0: Well, there was a report that came out of the Treasury uh uh, early this year, it was March of this year, I think that said that that they believed that that non white taxpayers black in specific in particular black taxpayers were being selected for an audit at a rate of 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 two to four times two to four times bob not percent <laughs> times greater than non than non uh, black taxpayers hmm. all right so what what would drive Uh, the the, the IRS's decision to audit black taxpayers at a rate of almost four times that of other taxpayers. Well, here's what the problem is. The IRS does not Make tax return selection decisions based on race or color or religion or anything like that they 're based in fact they don 't even have audit selection criteria that they don 't even gather that data Bob so they couldn 't make the decisions based on that data if they wanted to because they just don 't have the information they make the decisions based on based on uh, financial the, the, the financial profile of the tax return period the way the way the researchers decided that Black, not, that black taxpayers were selected at such a greater rate was based on black-sounding names. All right, so they did the research based on black-sounding names. If the name, if the name of the taxpayer sounded like it was probably a black person, they attributed that audit to a black person. So it's a completely arbitrary criterion they used to determine who was being audited and who mm. wasn't. And the IRS responded to this, and this is their response. We're going to make sure that everybody's treated fairly. We want to make sure that nobody's unfairly singled out, that the tax laws apply across the board equally to all taxpayers. This is just this is just throwing lip service at that ridiculous study that the Treasury Department released, in, uh, as I said earlier this year.
1: Once again, Dan's website is TaxHelp Online com a lot of free information and resources at the uh, his website taxhelponline.com hey Dan great to talk to you uh, look forward to talking to you next month
0: my, my pleasure Bob thanks for having me
1: this is Bob Brooks and you are listening to the Prudent money radio show It just seems like there's so many moving parts. And uh, the complexity of it. I don't know. Well, if you got a question for me, please go to the website at prudentmoney.com and send it in because we are all out of time. Do we do meet again next time? Keep the faith and have a great rest of the day.